Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. I don't have a co-host today. It's a special bonus edition of the pod. After the one that Nick and I did a little bit earlier this week, we wanted to get some more perspective into pit football from someone who knows the team. So we reached out to our friend John McGonigal, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, had him on for a quick 20 or so minute bonus edition of the pod that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. I want to give you a little bit of a warning. The sound quality on this one isn't perfect. We do this ones over our cell phones and you guys will be able to tell right away, but I still wanted to make sure you were aware that that's going to be happening. Otherwise, we're not doing the normal sign-offs today, so I will put that right here. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site, buying shirts, following us on our various social media channels, and subscribing to the podcast. And now that that's out of the way, hope you all enjoy. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk to our pal John McGonigal from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's joining us here. John, what's going on, brother? Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. Not a problem. Uh, for those who are unaware, John is a big Liverpool supporter, and I'm a big Manchester City supporter. So <laughs> I will assuredly, we will assuredly get at one another uh, over the course of however long this takes over that. But the big thing here uh, is that John has a pretty unique perspective on Penn State's hit over the past couple of years. He covered Penn. He's a Penn State graduate over the last couple of years. Covered Penn State for the Center Daily Times, and is now in. Pittsburgh covering Pitt for the Post Gazette, and I can't think of a better person to give us give us a little bit of insight into this rivalry than John. So what I want to do is I want to go look at Pitt's offense and defense, and kind of just project out how he thinks this game is going to go. And John, I think the place where we need to start, at least when it comes to Pitt's offense, is it seems like this team goes as Kenny Pickett goes. They put a lot of faith and trust into their quarterback. I guess my question is, is Pickett the kind of signal caller who can beat teams with his arms? And does he have the options outside of him in case or Mac, Maurice, French, and whoever else is lining up at receiver to beat teams with his arm? Yeah, look, Bill, when it comes to Kenny, uh, if you ask that question after – the season opening loss to Virginia, everyone would tell you no, because he missed, you know, open receivers downfield. He was kind of just airmailing guys. He had Maurice French on a, a long touchdown that he just missed them in the fourth quarter there in that 30 to 14 season opening loss to their ACC Coastal, um, ACC Coastal foe and, and the favorite to win the ACC Coastal. But then after, you know, their 20 to 10 win over Ohio, over the weekend, you kind of feel better about, you know, Pickett's arm and his ability to move the ball. You know, he threw for a career-high 321 yards. He, you know, you know, career-high 26 completions. But it was kind of just the way that he did it. I mean, it was a, only a 10-point win, but Pitt pretty much controlled the game from start to finish, and a lot of it had to do with Pickett's ability to, to you know, for lack of a better word, pick out the guy who, uh, who he's supposed to throw to. Uh, and he didn't really do that against Virginia, but you know, he targeted Maurice French a lot, and that was a part of Pitt's game plan. They kind of like to use him in almost a similar way that Penn State uses K.J. Hamler in that, you know, he's just a speedy guy. You want to get him in space, and if that means tossing out some quick screens or a tunnel screen or, you know, whatever, or pushing the ball downfield to him, that's what they're going to do. And this year, Mac has big play potential as well. They started using their tight ends a little bit more. Uh, Will Gregg and Nikia Griffin-Stewart combined for seven catches, which doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, but, you know, Pitt's tight ends as a whole last year had 11 catches. So, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to spread the ball around a little bit. And, you know, Pitt fans have to be feeling a little you know, more confident after the Ohio game than they were the Virginia game. Yeah, uh, 
of course, Pitt opened its season with a 30-14 loss to Virginia. Uh, then last week, 20-10 to against Ohio. Both of those were at Heinz Field. And when I look at Pitt, it's almost funny to me. I know Mark Whipple tends to be uh, their new offensive coordinator, tends to want to spread you out and throw it a little bit more. But it's very funny to me that we're talking about – the first question is about Pitt's passing game. Because yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect to Pickett, I mean, when you think of Pitt, you're thinking about running the football. But mm-hmm. they lost Quadri Allison, lost Darren Hall last year, and I believe they lost something like four starters along their offensive line. Is that correct? Yeah, they lost everyone except for their starting center, Jimmy Morrissey, who is a, um, a captain and uh, returning third-team All-ACC guy. So when you look at Pitt, again, you're thinking about they're going to want to try and run the fo- run the football, control the game clock, which as we saw last week in Penn State Buffalo isn't necessarily the worst idea. Mm-hmm. How has Pitt looked to replace uh, Allison Hall and their bevy of offensive linemen? And uh, what are just kind of the early returns on that plan? Well, look, they, they did not run the ball well at all against Virginia. Uh, they The offensive line has serious trouble with uh, Virginia's 3-4 front. It kind of caused them fits, and, and they just really didn't get it going. And quite frankly, Mark Whipple didn't give the running game a chance. There were only 18 rushes by running backs in that UVA game. Kenny Pickett had 12 of them, uh, you know, 12 of the 30 total. And, you know, they were pretty much just scrambles running for his life type deals, um, which is never ideal. But against Ohio, they were able to kind of establish a rhythm. They weren't, you know, going three and out as much as they were against UVA. Uh, A.J. Davis, their their first in line back, uh, had 89 yards on 13 carries. Vincent Davis, a true freshman, 170-pound uh, guy, uh, he, he comes down from from Florida originally. His, his high school ran an air raid offense, and so he has, you know, he's comfortable catching the ball of the backfield, but he had 12 carries for 50 yards against Ohio and a touchdown, and you know, Todd Sibley didn't really do much. Uh, he's kind of their short yardage guy. So, I, I mean, they, they kind of got it going a little bit there against Ohio, but against Virginia it was really non-existent. And I think a part of that was the offensive line and that they were kind of getting eaten up by that 3-4 front. So, uh, you know, I, Ohio's defense is not Penn State's defense and it's, you know, not Virginia's defense. So you kind of take that for what what you will. But, yeah, I mean, the, Pat Narduzzi has emphasized throughout, you know, throughout training camp and throughout the first couple weeks of the season that, look, their identity is defense and running the ball. But you look at the first two games, Kenny Pickett threw for 41 times against UVA and 37 times against Ohio. On offense so far, their identity hasn't been running the ball, which is interesting and contrary to what Pitt has done over the last three, four years under Narduzzi. Yeah, I, I that, that's kind of the thing that I struggle to wrap my head around with this game is it doesn't seem like – it seems like in a perfect world, Pitt's going to, by Narduzzi's definition of how football should be played, it seems like they they want to be able to run the ball and do those second and seven, third and four. I, I, I Almost uh, you and I were both there for this, the late era Paterno thing, where it's just we want to be as uh, – we want to grind as much as possible. Sure. It, 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 like you said, is it – What's just kind of been – have you been able to gauge, like, a fan base reaction to them spreading it out a bit more? Like, what's that kind of been? I think it's been refreshing a little bit. Uh, you know, last year, uh, Sean Watson, who was their offensive coordinator, you know, they hit through the ball the, the seventh fewest, I believe, uh, you know, in the country last year. And, you know, the only teams that were below them were, you know, Georgia Tech, Navy, Army, Air Force, you know, teams that run the triple option and, and those kind of uh, those kind of run-heavy schemes and so they really didn't give uh Kenny Pickett a chance last year and 
of course, he had he had some bad games. Like he, I mean, he completed nine of eighteen passes in the rain against Penn State for fifty five yards. A lot of people bring up the the eight yard passing performance against Clemson in the ACC title game. That certainly wasn't good, or you know, kind of a you know, it wasn't encouraging whatsoever. But I think it's been encouraging for Pitt fans to kind of see how Mark Whipple has taken this offense. And while they didn't run the ball as well, or just in general really against UVA, it was encouraging to see that there were open guys in the passing game against UVA. That's a game Pitt could have won, or at least it could have been, you know, a one-possession game going late into the fourth quarter if if Kenny was able to hit his guys. And, and also they, they had a couple drops, too, some serious, uh, some critical drops in that game. So I think it's been an encouraging sight, but it's it's definitely a little weird because there's the Pitt fans are so used to just, like like you kind of mentioned, that, that mentality of running ball and kind of controlling things and I mean, they did that a little bit against Ohio. You know, late, you know, in the fourth quarter, they really killed off killed off the Bobcats with a a long drive running the ball. But for the most part, it hasn't been that way this year. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, this is what we think about when we think of a Pat Narduzzi coach team. We're thinking about that defense, yeah. and it had, uh, like you mentioned, had its ups and downs against UVA. Uh, it settled in a little nicely against Ohio. The first thing I want to ask is. I believe – I can't remember exactly who it was. Wasn't, didn't a major contributor along Pitt's defensive line, one or two, get injured, like, right at the start of the season? <laughs> yeah, so Rashad Weaver, who was a defensive end, uh, he started last year for them. And, and in August at Media Day, he was talking about having you know, ACC Defensive Player of the Year aspirations. And really when you look at uh, – I mean, I mean so he, had, he had high expectations entering the season – and he tore, you know, he tore his ACL in fall in training camp in mid-August. And then after uh, the UVA game, Pat Narduzzi announces that Keyshawn Camp, the defensive tackle, also um, you know suffered a season-ending knee injury that required surgery. So they lose two. I mean, their two best linemen, or at least two of their best defensive linemen. But they've still been doing well. I mean, in that first game against UVA, uh, well, of course Keyshawn's out, but Keyshawn you know created six pressures against Bryce Perkins. Uh, Deslin Alexander, who is uh, Weaver's replacement at the end, has had a sack in each of the first two games. Uh, Patrick Jones has, you know, gotten to the quarterback a little bit. Jalen Twyman is a name to watch, number 97, at defensive tackle. He's he, He's been getting some, you know, kind of preliminary comparisons to Aaron Donald, which is kind of crazy uh, this soon, obviously, but that's his idol, and he had three sacks against Ohio, so. Uh, there's some buzz around him as well. So I'm I'm impressed with what Pitt's defensive line has been able to do kind of in the face of those two major injuries. And it certainly helps that it seems like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, with what Pitt has in its uh, defensive backfield, mm-hmm. th- that seems to be the strength of this defense. And if Penn State wants to uh, win this game, it's going to have to find ways to try and neutralize guys, you know, the ones that Penn State fans are going to be really familiar with, uh, DeMar Hamlin, Paris Ford, and then Dane Jackson, a good uh, redshirt senior cornerback. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Their their secondary is it, – it's interesting because at that media day back in, like, early August, I was asking all those guys, hey, do you think this could be – you know, the secondary could be the backbone of the defense. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't want to, you know, kind of discredit the linebackers of the defensive line, but they were really confident. Uh, in what they were able to do. And so far it's paying off. You mentioned Dane Jackson. He's only allowed two receptions in the first two games. Uh, opposite him at, at corner, DeMar, uh, DeMari Mathis had two pass breakups against Virginia and has looked up the task 
And then their third corner, Jason Pinnock, who played a lot last year, has been kind of slotting in as their nickel guy. And they use him uh, quite a bit blitz, like they blitz him quite a bit. And he almost, uh, he almost sacked Bryce Perkins in the second half of that UVA game. And he escapes and runs for 27 yards and the game kind of changes. But uh, there's a lot of confidence in what those corners can do for Pitt. And then also the safeties. You mentioned DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford. Paris Ford has been making plays all over the field. And uh, they've been taking him out on, on some third down sub packages, which uh, is, is kind of strange to me. I, I think you just want your playmaking guys in in those situations. And he's certainly one of them. But uh, those two, as well as uh, senior Jazzy Stocker at safety, will see a lot of run, obviously. And then just to kind of touch on every level of Pitt's defense, when I look yeah. at their linebacking core, I mean, that's something that, you expect Pitt's linebackers to be guys who are able to kind of raise hell, uh, create havoc, rush quarterbacks into making decisions they might not want to make. It seems like that unit, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it hasn't really gotten the buzz that the pre-injury defensive line and especially the defensive backfield have gotten. Definitely not, and, and it's arguably the deepest, the deepest group on the team, not just the defense. Uh, they started Elias Reynolds at middle linebacker against Virginia, and uh, he started seven games last year at middle linebacker. They started Chase Pine at middle linebacker against Ohio, and both of them played well. And so I wouldn't be surprised if either of them or Salim Brightwell, who's a senior, starts at Mike against Penn State. Uh, at money linebacker, which is essentially their uh, one of their outside linebackers, uh, Kylan Johnson, more of a blitzing guy. Kylan Johnson is a grad transfer from Florida and started a handful of games down there. Didn't really kind of fit with the new coaching staff down there, but transfers to Pitt, and he's been playing uh, really lights out uh, so far, you know, through two games. Again, it's only through two games, so you don't want to make too big of a deal of it, but he has been playing really, really well. And then at, uh, at star linebacker, more of their coverage linebacker, uh, converted safety Phil Campbell, and outside just traditional linebacker and Cam Bright has been kind of going back and forth, and they view both of those guys as starters. So, and this linebacker group really goes six, seven deep, or you know five, six, uh, six, seven deep, and uh, they're going to rotate those guys in and out, which which will or should help when Penn State's got guys like you know Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, Devin Ford, Noah Kane running at you. So I think as we're kind of just projecting out this game, what's going to happen on both sides of the ball? I want to start mm-hmm. when Pitt's defense is on the field and Penn State's offense is on the field. It seems pretty easy to me. Pat Narduzzi is going to throw everything in the kitchen saying at Sean Clifford and try and confuse him. Is that about right? That's what I would expect. Uh, like I said, you know, I mentioned Jason Pinnock, that fast corner blitzing, you know, relatively, uh, you know, at least a, a decent amount in the first two games. They're they're gonna they're gonna bring him. They're gonna bring Kylan Johnson, who absolutely leveled Bryce Perkins. I don't know if you saw the hit he laid on UVA's quarterback in Week One, but he he laid that dude out. Uh, and they're they're going to be blitzing guys, and they're going to be trying to confuse them. And that's I think that's their best. They're not going to like stack the box and try and, you know, I don't know. Like they they, they like those press corners to you know apply pressure on the outside, and, and if they're blitzing one or two guys, uh, you know, every other player. So I think that's kind of what to, what to expect there. And then on the other side of the ball, as I look at Pitt's offense. Mm-hmm. It seems weird to me to say that they're going to try and run the football, even though we saw last week Penn State had some trouble slowing down uh, Buffalo as it was trying to bleed the clock and mm-hmm. run for four yards, run for four yards, run for four yards or whatever. But at the same time, it's just I, I can't imagine that their best path forward is to basically try and do an air raid type thing. So wh- wh- like, what's the happy medium in between that? 
I, I think it's I think it's trying to balance those two things. You know, they Pitt ran the ball 37 times last week and threw the ball 37 times. So I think that's ideally what you get. Um, going on the road, if you can establish the run, uh, it's such a cliche, but I think that's kind of what they have to do. But then at the same time, you, you look at, you know, in that first half against Buffalo, Penn State let up two passes of 40 yards or more. And I know one of those was on true freshman Keaton Ellis, state college kid. But, you know, if Pitt's going to attack attack that secondary and try and push the ball downfield and, you know, maybe maybe try and set set them up with some screens to, to Maurice French and then let them, let them run. I mean, they're, they're going to have to do that. And they did it well against Ohio. Ohio's secondary is uh, not nearly as good as Penn State's. Ohio's secondary was, I believe, 99th last year in, in pass defense and 100 and hundred and something the year before they're they're not very good but that you know the passing game should have confidence going to this game so i think they're going to try and strike a balance but don't be surprised if can you know they if they have time obviously with gross matos and tony and those guys rushing them if they have time to to let plays develop and take shots downfield i think they will and i guess this is uh this is kind of the last question this is the big mm-hmm. one like as someone who uh has is a little closer to pit football and has seen more of them than I think a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. in Happy Valley probably have. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, so my prediction for the game is is uh, it's twenty three to six. I, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I like both defenses. I'm not sold on on the offenses. I'm not sold on Clifford quite yet. And you know. With the offensive line issues, I think the biggest matchup to watch is Ether Grossmatos, Shaka Tony, Jason Owe. I mean, you keep going down the list, Shane Simmons, and even Daniel Joseph. I like Daniel Joseph a lot. Those guys going up against Nolan Ulysio and uh, Carter Warren, who are Pitt's tackles. Carter Warren, starting at left tackle, will you know feature exclusively against Grossmatos. And you know Carter Warren has only played two games in his college career. And Nolan Ulysio last week at right tackle going up against Shaka Tony, he had two false starts last week against Ohio. And so he's going to need to try and get those fast jumps without, you know, off the snap without going, you know, and committing a penalty. So I think that's kind of where Penn State can control the game is up front. Again, another kind of cliche, but I think if, uh, if Gross Matos and Tony and those guys can create havoc and in the backfield uh, and kind of screw up, you know, Pitt's rhythm, Really, I think they can kind of control the game, and um, and I picked six points because uh, you know Pitt had to settle for a few field goal attempts last week. Like I said, they won twenty to ten. It should have been more, and uh, their offense kind of stalled out and didn't finish, and uh, that's not really a good sign. So again, it was only one game, but you know that that's kind of what I'm going for, which means of course it'll be like forty five to thirty, and you know yeah, or it'll. I mean, I think everyone listening to this podcast would enjoy a. Maybe Penn State doesn't start as slowly as they did last year, but another fifty-one to six win or something like that would. Uh, I don't think that's uh, happening. I don't. I'll go out. I don't think that's going to happen, though. What? If I may, add, just real quick, why not? Sure. I like Pitt's defense. I, I think they're going to hold up. I think they're deeper at linebacker this year. I, I, despite those two losses on the defensive line, I like what they were able to do last week, and I think the secondary is is just experience with Dane Jackson and. Uh, and Damari Mathis and those guys. So I think combine that with a a new-ish starting quarterback in Sean Clifford. You know, he he has obviously uh, you know he's kind of come into his own a little bit there in in the second half of the Buffalo game. But I just like Pitt's defense and I, I like Penn State's defense and uh, and I think it's going to be one of the, kind of those old school games. Last question: Who's winning the Premier League? Uh, Liverpool. 
Absolutely. Without question. Nope, nope, nope. Abs- absolutely not. That's not happening. <laughs> Champions uh, I, of Europe, baby. That's all That's all that matters for now until uh, until now. Yeah, all, all, all credit to Liverpool. Every aspect of uh, Europe is red except for England, which is sky blue. So <laughs> just, uh, apologies for ending it on such a bad note, but I had to get that one in there. John McCann, all good. Pittsburgh, all good. That's Pittsburgh Coast Gazette, thank you so much for joining, buddy. We appreciate you taking the time.